Welcome to the Paycom Podcast. We are medical management radio for the solo provider and small group physician practice. Paycom is where medicine meets entrepreneurship. Now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Paycom Podcast, Medical Management Radio. Paycom is the professional association of healthcare office management. I'm your host, Terry Fletcher. In today's episode, we're going to jump right in to the topic of physician practice success and focus on that solo or small group physician practice. What physician practices are at the top of their game? Do they have secrets to their success? We're going to try and find that out today and to discuss these questions and really look into the management of your practice, the business operations necessary for success, and a place to start, I would like to introduce Catherine Eiler who will be joining me on the show today. Catherine is a certified medical manager holding the PACOM credential, a health information technology certified manager, physician practices, with more than 25 years of experience in multi-specialty physician practice management, medical management education, and teaches the PACOM webinar series on the nine domains of medical practice management. Catherine is also the PACOM 2017 Medical Manager of the Year. So, Catherine, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here today. Hi, Terry. It's good to be here. (laughs) Great. And thank you for all your travels and making time for us. I know you've been traveling a lot with work, and I think you said you're located in Philly, so you've got that cold weather. So, uh, me, I can't really relate. I'm in Southern California enjoying 70s weather this week. I know everybody can relate to on the West, on the East Coast for what you're dealing with. Yes, it's pretty cold here. So as an industry leader and talking about physician practice management and with the current climate of the small or solo physician practice, as it relates to finding success, I have just a couple of kind of questions that I just want to put out to you and and see really how you would respond and let the listeners know what they're up against, what would be a great place to start and just really, you know, some insight as to where the practices um, need to get into the groove for success in their uh, business operations. So I was looking at some things, uh, just different things on the internet, different responses from different practices. And there's a question that's really kind of tough to answer. I wanted to see what your insight was. What kinds of things are key to establishing short and long-term goals in a successful business that happens to be a medical practice? So when you're talking about a medical practice, of course, the clinical aspects are the most important aspects of getting through your short-term goals, which is getting through today, the day-to-day operations of the practice, Um, you know, making sure that your staff have what they need to get through the day, that your physicians have uh, great schedules, and that you have in place, uh, you know, a toolbox of go-to things in the event that your day gets challenging, you know, with patient care. When it comes to um, long-term goals, it's a totally different game. You know, long-term goals include things like understanding and knowing the revenue cycle, uh, making sure that your primary responsibilities are taken care of, but also understanding uh, important aspects of the revenue cycle, like, you know, what is your collections process? What are your contracts look like? You know, the revenue cycle starts with the first point of contact. What does that look like for your medical practice? Do you understand what the impact of that is on on the revenue cycle? You know, what is the face of your practice? What, you know, how does it start? How does it end? And then, you know, again, going back to this insurance contracts, 
that is that's key right there understanding thoroughly what your responsibilities are many many practices uh, don't understand uh, physicians really uh, get through the day but they don't really understand what does that uh, matrix look like when those charges go out the door and they come back uh, you know paid or unpaid what is the difference between you know contractual fees and you know what the insurance companies are paying you um, and you know what what you're actually billing out the door many many practices I go into they haven't looked at their their uh, billing matrix in years they are sort of winging their way through it they don't realize that their contracts have changed that they're updated you know several times a year that there's changes Medicare is the only one that actually updates the fee schedule once a year but many payers make changes throughout the year um, you know some of the blues on the East Coast update their fee schedules more than once a year, sometimes twice a year. Uh, and you have to know that and understand that and make sure that you are billing above the fee schedule. I was in a practice today and they were shocked to find out that there were at least 12 of their primary codes that they were not, they were, they were billing exactly, getting paid exactly what they were billing out, which is never a good sign. So I would say long-term goals, understanding the revenue cycle, is, is uh, key it's it's the most important aspect um, having you know key members of staff in place to assist with the organization of the practice and having a very high functioning uh, well-organized practice would be the key to success and that sounds great and I, I actually had a practice myself recently that uh, and it's actually in the last couple of weeks where this staff, when I asked questions about, well, what is your what is your fee schedule? What's your reimbursement for a certain procedure, cardiology practice? And they said, oh, we don't get paid for that one. And I said, what are you talking about? And they said, well, we don't get paid for this couple of procedures within a, a heart cath scenario. And I said, but those aren't bundled or inclusive. They said, yes, but you know what? The contract never, the, that payer never pays us. So we just write it off. And so you're right. Sometimes I don't want to call it short-sightedness, but just not understanding some of the revenue cycle can definitely hinder some success there. So that I think is the key um, to to uh, to the organization of a practice and its success. Yeah, I agree. So, with some of the long and short-term goals that you mentioned, how can we help physicians understand what's important to their success with all of the changes they're experiencing? Some of the payers out there that are, like you said, maybe they change their fee schedule a couple times a year and not under and not really realizing that not everybody is Medicare, which is a little bit more consistent. So, you know, with that same short-term, long-term goal, understanding the revenue cycle, you know, and the things that we've already talked about, like understanding what those payer contracts are, there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. And so you have to make sure that you have key staff, educated staff in place that are helping you to, uh, you know, be on top of your game. Otherwise, if you don't, I, I will go to practices that don't understand what that little mailbox means in Novanet. Um, you know, or, you know, some of the, the uh, primary payers, how they communicate when there's a message telling them, we've changed your clinical policy and you're not going to be paid if you continue to use these codes. That's the second piece, I would say, where practices really struggle. And when you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, helping a practice be successful, I think that's key. Um, you know, 
many times uh, private practices are governed by physicians. Their, their physicians choose to manage their own practice. And when that happens, I think that uh, they think that they have a, a good understanding of the aspects of what they do every day. But that contract management, that payer management, is a totally different uh, ball game. And you have to have educated, highly skilled uh, staff in place in order to be successful with that. And I couldn't agree with you more. And I have a question along those lines of why some why do some physicians choose to manage their own business? Because in the small, even the, some of the larger practices I'm in, but some of the smaller ones, I notice that the physicians are so focused on the checks that are coming in that day without really looking at the workflows and the capture and just things that are basics to a practice instead of they're already jumping to the back end. So why do they choose to manage their own business? Well, for one thing, I think physicians went into private practice because they wanted to do it their way. They came out of residency and they saw a better way to do it and they saw a way to be able to manage patients themselves. Many of the physician practices that we're talking about are not governed uh, or owned by young physicians, but more mature physicians. And those physicians are sort of old school. They are of a time when it was easy for a physician to manage his own practice, where they worried about the checks coming in the door every day and making sure that that you know, piece of it was working. But that's really not the case today. Today, it's a whole different ball game. Today, you have to know about quality benchmarks and clinical protocols, and you have to have things in place uh, you know, and a full knowledge of what it is that you're getting paid for and what you're not getting paid for. You have to know when you want to do a procedure, what is the clinical policy guideline that is going to get you paid for that procedure? Many times physicians will choose a code that is not included in that clinical policy guideline and they're not getting paid and they really don't understand why that's you know happening. Physicians choose, I think, to run their own practice because the buck stops with them. They're used to being in control. They're the ultimate responsible party when it comes to patient care, when it comes to signing the checks, when it comes to, you know, uh, reporting payroll taxes, when meeting with their tax accountant, um, hiring and, uh, you know, terminating employees, they're the ultimate responsible party. And I think that they're used to that with patient care. It makes it easy for that. Yeah. And I was, you know, kind of, um, kind of taking a step back a little bit just before, since we're kind of jumping into really what the, the role is of the management part of the uh, medical practice. My question is, when looking at the leadership in a small group, a medical practice, a single practitioner, or even you know a doctor that has less than five in their practice, how important is it, based on just our conversation so far, to determine that the office manager's role is just so important? I mean, I've experienced practices that do not even have an office manager, um, they hire, or I should say they promote within. I've seen a lot of doctor's wives say they're the office manager for the title. Um, but I, I think that some, it seems like some practices, and correct me if I'm wrong from what you see, but it seems like whoever's there the longest seems to be de facto office manager, not necessarily the most equipped to handle the job, but they're coming up through the ranks and the definition of what an office or practice manager is just doesn't seem to be clear. So what's your feedback on, you know, how do you choose key staff and determine what that role is? 
So it may not be the person who's there the longest. It may be the new person coming in the door who has maybe a few years of experience or who has a, uh, some college education or who has a certification in, uh, in an aspect of healthcare that makes them a little bit more knowledgeable. Sometimes it's the person who's the most tech savvy who can go online and do a little research and who has the ability to look at and read a contract. Many times, the person that's been there the longest may not be the best resource uh, for a physician. Today, healthcare is is one of the most regulated industries in the United States. We're second only to like chemical and nuclear, um, you know, industries. And when you talk about the rules, the regulations, and the requirements that we have to meet, and they change, the game changes every day. Every day, a new thing comes along. Uh, we get mandated by the Office of Inspector General, by Health and Human Services, by the you know CMS, by Medicare and Medicaid, uh, and people forget that that Medicare is not just um, an insurance; it's a law. So it's not like you can say, um, you know, you can treat it like it's Blue Cross and Blue Shield. It's not. It's a law. So everything that Medicare governs. Uh, every time you interact with them, you have rules and regulations that have to be followed. You have to know what the, what those are. When you're putting someone in place at the helm of your practice, that has to be a highly skilled and highly educated person if you want to be successful. You can't wing it. Gone are the days where you can just promote you know, someone from the front desk and put them in that position and assume that everything is going to be okay because it's, it's likely not going to be okay. And you and I both know that we have experienced many practices where they're not successful and they can't figure out why. And that, that, that's the ultimate reason they're not successful. Um, if you want now, to- let's say you have a, a physician's practice that uh, or a physician that doesn't want to spend the money on a quality office manager. What would you say to that physician? I would say invest first in a certification. Start with one certification. If you're struggling with coding and reimbursement, get somebody certified, you know, through the AAPC. If you, uh, you know, for a certified professional coder, if you want to have a manager at the helm, get someone who is certified in medical practice management. There are certifications out there. Uh, you know, Paycom offers a certification. There are many organizations that offer uh, healthcare certifications, but start small and, you know, that will help bring the organization to your practice. The truth is that every medical practice today probably should be run by an MBA, whether it has one physician or five physicians. That's how complicated healthcare is today if you want to be successful. But does every solo practitioner or private practice physician or small group medical practice have the resources to hire an MBA? No, they don't. But they do have an opportunity to uh, promote staff within and invest in getting them certified. Most of those credentials cost a couple of thousand dollars. Uh, and I would highly recommend that you know you, they get someone at the helm who thoroughly understands every aspect of medical practice management and medical practice administration if they want to be successful. And I absolutely agree with what you're saying there. And the, one of the things for the listeners, when we talk about certification or we talk about uh, making sure they get that credential. 
what what Catherine, I really like to refer to is it's the the part of the credential that maybe you're not aware of that it's about the studying part. It's about the learning, the information, and what they grasp from becoming certified. It's not just having the letters after their name, because I've met a lot of certified coders that are not. I don't want to say aren't the best coders, but they have take learned to take a test, and with Paycom and the CMM, you are looking at a completely different type of certification and credential. Um, and as Catherine, one of the um, instructors that does go through all the, the nine domains, which we shared on episode one, uh, just really take a look at that if you get a chance at, at Paycom.com, because some of the things that are in there and some of the information would just be invaluable to your practices as you're trying to choose that key staff. But Catherine, I pondered that question many times just as far as trying to figure out who is the most equipped. And if you take into consideration the revenue generated by the physician or even the potential revenue and the needs of the business operations necessary for success, how do medical practices succeed when they're independently owned and operated and really not taking you know, the advice or, ins- or understanding the insight that you're giving? Well, and that's the truth is they're not succeeding. They're struggling and they're calling in, you know, uh, reinforcements, uh, you know, right and left to help them with the process. Or frankly, they're selling their practice uh, to a hospital based or larger group organization so that they can or merging their practice with other uh, local practices so they can try to be successful. But the truth is the, the most successful and the the most organized are, are practices that have someone at the helm who pairs themselves with the physician or the clinical staff very well and who actually can give guidance and make recommendations. I think uh, if you want to be a solo practitioner and you want to be successful, you have to have educated, developed staff. And that doesn't mean they just go out and get a certification and that's it. You know, you have to partner uh, with getting them certified with an organization that is going to give them continuing education because as I said a little while ago when we were talking it the game the rules of the game change minute to minute in healthcare every day a new rule or regulation comes out every day we have new mandates that we have to follow if you want to be successful and you want to be you know around long term and independent and we want you to be independent you have to know and understand what the rules of the game are. And that's the that's right there. That that is the uh, the crux of, of being independent and staying independent, understanding and knowing what those rules are. And you can't do that, you know, as a solo practitioner or as a one physician at the helm. It has to be a team approach and that partner on that team has to be someone who can govern the support aspects of the clinical part of a medical practice who is highly skilled and absolutely understands the process. And and the truth is, it's a minimal investment that's going to that's going to net you a big gain. Uh, yeah, I can't even agree. I can't agree with you more on that because now we don't we want the doctors to be able to just doctor. We we just don't want them to have to. I don't want to say worry about the management and everything that goes into that because obviously it's their business, their practice, and they're going to you know want to have some input, but. You know, as as we're really looking at this in the big picture, like you said, it's a team. But as we wrap up for this episode, what one bit of information, a key, a tip of the trade, would you give our listeners, give physicians that would give them a good place to start to, to really begin that team effort 
and how they can look to stay independent and thrive in private practice, what would be the first thing they should do? I would say choose staff who have the ability to, um, you know, pair well with you, that you respect, that are highly regarded, and invest in them. Uh, you know, take that person who you call the pseudo manager and actually give her a title. Actually give her the, the uh, invest in her because that investment is going to go a long way. The best advice I can give to physicians who are in solo practitioner, you know, practitioner uh, organizations and who, you know, are small group medical practices is, you know, take that person and invest in them get them certified, get them credentialed, and then continue that lunchtime learning opportunity that, that you know, organizations like Paycom give. So that every day, or at least a couple of times a week, your manager and your staff are getting educated in new technology, new opportunities, new, uh, you know, payer responsibilities, new codes that are coming out, new definitions or clinical policies that are going to partner with you to help get you paid so that you can continue to be independent and successful. Well, and we appreciate all of that insight. And we're hoping to have uh, Catherine again on our program so she can really talk to the domains and how to get your staff certified and then really what goes into that and diving further into those details. So Catherine, thank you so much for your insight and joining me today on episode two. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. I wanted to also leave the listeners with this. The PACOM motto is PACOM shares knowledge. As you just heard from industry expert on medical management and business practice management, Catherine Eiler, we want to remind you, too, that if you are responsible for the management of your practice or you know a physician or office manager that is, and they want to get as much current industry information and practice management knowledge as they can, this is your podcast. We hope you will let others know and encourage them to listen in each month. As a reminder, the Paycom podcast will broadcast the third Wednesday of each month. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. As we head into the Thanksgiving holiday, we are thankful for all of our listeners and Paycom members. Make it a great day, a great month. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Paycom podcast, Medical Management Radio. Tune in for new shows the third Wednesday of each month. Thank you for joining us. PACOM is the professional association of healthcare office management and home of the nationally accredited certified medical manager. Professional credentials matter. Learn more at PACOM.com. That's P-A-H-C-O-M.com.